Ladies and gentlemen, hear them pour. It's the Beer Geeks Radio Hour on WYLK. Ah, uh, we are back. Beer Geeks, WYLK. We have some really good beers this week. Now, uh, if you remember, in the last week we said we were going to have a, another brewery on. We were supposed to have Licking Hole Creek. But sometimes in life, uh, things happen and emergencies pop up, and that's what happened. They weren't able to, to make it this week. So, Phil and I, we just have some really good beer instead that we uh, grabbed out of the fridge. Beer and conversation on a yep. beautifully rainy, craptastic Sunday. And well, it's it's oh, a lovely yeah. day. What are you talking about? <laughs> it's it's I'm, a standard day here in uh, Seattle, Washington. I mean, northeastern Pennsylvania. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, uh, it, it's a good time, though. We have some really good beers. We're just kind of going through the fridge trying to figure out what's a good topic to get through. So we figure, you know what, let's get into a little bit of hop conversation, uh, kind of a variety on different uh, IPAs and, and things like that. And uh, the other thing that's nice, too, is all the, the beers we have are from breweries we've had on the show, too. So it's a nice little homage to be able to talk about some of the beers from the breweries we've had on the show that we maybe didn't have during that discussion when we had them on. So good time all around, and it's always nice to be able to sit and have some good beer and just chat a little bit. Maybe you want to listen, maybe don't. It's what life's all about, <laughs> baby. All right, so let's get into a little bit of beer news before anything. Uh, now, Stone Brewing has made another announcement. They're opening yet another location of theirs. If you are familiar, they have now opened up a brewery out here in Virginia. They're getting that one going. Berlin, Germany. And they are in San Diego, which is where everything is. But they now are opening up a pilot brewery up in Napa Valley uh, with a little tap room. It's a you know a small little venture of a ten thousand square foot building with a ten barrel system put in there as well. So yeah, just a little, yeah, it's a, yeah, just a, a little a thing. Pilot brewery. It's fine. It's it's crazy to see. I mean, you know, a lot of people, and this is something I think that's in general as things get popular and bigger, people like to poo-poo on it and say, blah, blah. Stone has become like one of the larger craft breweries, but they're still kind of under the radar. They're not getting the hits. Like It feels like Sam Adams is in the front line getting all the fire, and Stone is like kind of right behind them yeah. with everything. But Stone is doing so much for the community. I mean, a couple of weeks ago, you saw the announcement from Greg Koch from the brewery uh, talking about the new, uh, what how they work, an uh, investment group that they're doing to kind of basically protect and help everything within the craft brew world uh, from the buyouts and acquisitions that have been happening. So, I mean, they're really care about what's going on and like are they large yeah and it's incredible to see they're basically all over the world now with what they're doing uh but it's just a really cool thing that they're going to be up in the the whole wine country area of california just invading it yeah that uh, almost to me just from the outside looking in not knowing much about it it almost seems like um how do i put this like some bigger up persons there's like i want to retire let's open a brewery up in napa that way i can just you know what i mean have something to do while i'm up there um so but i know i mean that's pretty much why i think the german um the overseas one opened up so greg could just kind of fiddle around europe and do his thing you know just do whatever he, he could wants just get his there. backpack and his little bike his little uh yeah his little fixed gear bike <laughs> that's what thinking the term fixed gear bike and pedal just around, ride around. <laughs> so I don't, but it's really neat to see all the things that they're doing. And uh, they also made an announcement, too, that the Stone IPA is going to be in cans now, too, which is also something people have been clamoring for when they made the announcement that the German brewery was going to be putting out cans. People were very angry that they weren't getting it here in the U.S., but that's now changing and they're starting to come out here. Yeah, I mean, everything's in cans now. I mean, everybody. I mean, it's almost at a point where it's it's so funny because not just a couple of years ago you talk about cans. It was still the debate of yeah. really are cans going to really viable for craft? Beer. Yeah. Now people, you 
know, when we mm-hmm. talked to when we went down, um, we didn't talk about it on the show, but when we went down to um, New Jersey to Cane Brewing and talked to Mike down there, he was saying he couldn't even get cans yeah. um, to uh, put his beer into, and that's why a lot of people don't realize they think the uh, the big pounder cans are like, oh, that's such a great thing. No, they couldn't. People couldn't get twelve ounce cans, yeah. so they yeah. had to go to the pounder cans, and it just ended up working for the beer and the style. Yeah, there's there's so much, you know, much like the uh, demand for for vinyl has gone up, and you see those like these like once kind of dying businesses now are jammed where they can't even keep up with the demand. Like I think you saw a lot of that with some of the canning places that like they. they they weren't what they, you know, they, they'd be able to get the canning systems, I should say. They weren't selling it the way they were. And now it's just like, I'm sure they're all at capacity trying to make, because so many breweries, it used to be initially a brewery was opening up and it was just canning or just bottling. Yeah. Now you're seeing a lot of them getting into doing both because there's that demand that's there for cans now because of the portability of them mainly. And with Stone... You had to think it was only a matter of time before something from them was in cans. You know, that's yeah. kind of the way that, that everything... Did they say what size cans they're I think they're, they're, they're just doing 12-ounce. That's all I've ever seen for the cans that they've made announcements for. Okay. I wouldn't doubt that they're going to put them in something. I can see an arrogant bastard being in like a, a you know 16-ounce can or something like that. Yeah, yeah. and they've, they've, they've never been like... Some some breweries are very, um, I guess you'd say, packaging loyal, like uh, like New Belgium and like, um, you know, obviously Oscar Blues people like mm-hmm. that or like to stick with specific cans or bottles a stone is thrown in i think every oh yeah can i mean every, bottle, every imaginable. Size bottle yeah. yeah in shape and size so it's not like they care yeah. you know mm-hmm. yeah i think you're just going to keep seeing more and more breweries getting into that because there is that demand now and that that debate really it still goes on but that's you have like the loyalists or the people that are you know cascadian dark ale or black ipa like you still have <laughs> and it's like at the end of the day there's like certain things that's just like look let's agree it's not what I understand the old argument of putting it in cans because of the lining and all that stuff, but that's not the same. You're not talking about the same thing. It's a different can now. Yeah, and that's part yeah. and parcel of the, of the argument, too, is that cans have gotten better, so now yeah. it is viable to do it. And it's almost like a chicken or the egg thing. Cans probably got better because breweries wanted to do it, but did breweries do it because cans got better? Do you know what I mean? It's kind of like one yeah. of those things. So. Yeah. Oh, no, we can, can keep going back and forth. All right, another uh, interesting thing. There, there's a new craft brewery that opened up in Florida uh, called High Heel Brewing. Uh, now it's, this is the first like all female oriented brewery, so they're they're kind of pushing that in, and and they're making they say they're making beers specifically catering to women. I, I don't know, like yeah, it's an interesting thing, and they'll see how it goes. Like they're they're gonna start releasing. They have two uh, beers that'll be coming out next month. I don't even know, like you know, there's a discussion of, and it's it's different being a male, but there's a discussion of like is is craft brewing and beer in general like a man dominated thing? Which yeah, it is, but is that discussion even that viable anymore? Because it's like women are very very into craft beer now. Yeah, but they are. I mean, women in general are. But I'm talking. But industry wise, it's still you know industry largely male dominated. Yeah. And honestly, it's it, it's some it's it's just the way. And I don't want to say this in a negative way. It's the way things have been. So you almost get uh, uh, you know accustomed to doing. It. Perfect example. It's the, it's the way things have been since people realized they could make money off of beer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, perfect example. I can fall into that that pitfall too when it comes to like you know leaning towards male males in the industry because me and Joe went up to. 
to um, went up to Eddie's Roadhouse and uh, we met a, a couple who were bre- like they were brewers. One was a uh, biologist, the other was a brewer, and they're like, "Oh, we own a brewery." And like I just assumed the male was the brewer for a half second, and the girl kind of was like, "Oh, I'm the brewer," and kind of got a little peeved at me. And and it was totally not like I wasn't like, "Oh, yeah. you know, women that doesn't matter." Do you know what I mean? It was just it's just natural knee jerk reaction. Huh. That being said, it's almost like. How do you put it? Like an all male club, like a lot of times you have a gust of golf, like they trying to integrate women to that. It was a big kind of thing where they wanted to get women into specialized clubs. Now you have a f- all female brewery that's going to cater towards women. Like, yeah. what kind of beer is a woman that's, beer? That's, that's the one thing. That's what I think now. is kind of like making it like. It's taking away what they intended to be. Because that's kind of like being like, oh, we're going to make fruity beers or something. I mean, they didn't say what they're, and I'm not saying that's, you know, my opinion. I'm just saying, what does that mean? That seems like it's taking away the power that that should be implementing. I thought there was another, like, all. I think there's one in Europe, there's one in Canada. Is okay. that it can? Okay. There's I knew there was one, one That may be the one I was thinking of. Yeah. yeah, this is like, I think the first one in the U.S. Maybe I should have prefaced that. But but that's like the whole push of it. I, I don't fully know what that means. It's a, it's a neat idea and it's great. And yeah, historically, women have been brewers. That's where the last name Brewster comes from, if you're mm. unfamiliar with that. Not Punky? And, yeah, <laughs> that's what Punky was. She was a, a home brewer. And, uh, <laughs> that's so late moon fry. I'll get you. <laughs> get you crunk. But like, historically, it was there. And like, yeah, it, it's kind of flipped in a lot of ways. You see, there's a lot of of women head brewers at a lot of large breweries. So yeah. it's not like this is completely, but it's just, it, to me, as they made that announcement, like making beers cater to women, I, I don't, I think that's taking away what they should. It should be make, we're making really good beer, whatever you are. Yeah. And like, that's what the whole thing, that's what it should be. And it's being made by a woman, so we're showing what we can do, but it's not being made specifically for, because that, that to me just kind of takes away what they should be doing with it. Yeah, the, that's such a weird thing. Because honestly, when I talk to women about beer, um, a lot of them, a lot of times, will be like, if you want to say non-women beer, a lot of them like like sours and stouts yeah. and something like that. Yeah. Like, that's like what people wouldn't assume. Yeah, would be quote unquote female All right. beer. Yeah, let's get through a couple of new beers that are coming out. So now, uh, Enos and Gun, they're releasing a new one called Vintage. It's actually heading stateside. They're an Edinburgh-based brewery. Uh, it's an English strong ale aged in American bourbon barrels for a hundred days. So that'll be a nice one to see how that that turns out. Uh, Terrapin has released. They're going to be releasing their High Ten Mango Habanero Imperial IPA in July. I'll see how that one is. That's their, uh, I guess, the imperialized version. I would assume of of High Five bait malt wise. And uh, another one, which is I think you're going to see a lot of this fruit this summer. It seems to be the popular thing. Ballast Point is releasing their Watermelon Dorado in cans now. And I think watermelon's kind of the new uh, fruit for the summer, it seems. There's a lot of watermelon-based ones coming out A lot out of watermelon, a lot of mango. Yeah. The Innocent Gun thing, one, it annoys me because they say 100 days instead of three months. 100 days sounds way more impressive than three months. Um, and we, it does, doesn't it? You know, no, I, yeah, I know. Yeah, um, it really and, does. And, uh, and we just don't get them around here, but it's they're hard to impress sometimes, Innocent Gun. They're very, um, I don't want to say basic, but um, their beers can be a little bit, um, if you keep it close to the vest, they typically don't stretch out, but they've been doing the barley wine, now they're doing an oak aged ale, so we'll see what happens. All right, let's get into some of the beers that we have for today. Now, the first one is from Odell Brewing Company. Uh, if you remember, we had Doug Odell on the show quite a while ago. And uh, they're really, I, I love this brewery. They do some really phenomenal beers, and their main focus has always just been super easy drinkability and great balance. And I haven't had a single beer from them that, that doesn't 
perfectly describe the beer and uh, how they have their model. If you remember when we had Doug on, he was talking. They basically want to be a large regional brewery is their, their goal. They're not looking to expand out into all 50 states or go all over the place, which, yeah, maybe that'll change as they continue to grow and saturate those markets. But they're doing really well and they're really sought after out of Colorado. So they're really available a lot in the Midwest regions. Uh, this is their St. Lupulin. Uh, it's a 6.5%. They call it an extra pale ale. So it's kind of one of those beers that is on that line of IPA, pale ale, where does it really fall? They're calling it a pale ale. But it definitely has more hop characteristic leaning towards an IPA. But this is their, their summer seasonal for this one. I don't know if you guys, you guys ever had this one before. No. I think this is this might be the first Odell beer that I've ever I, had. I've only had, I think I had maybe two other ones, and that was from you. Because, yeah. I mean, you've... We can't obviously can't get these around here, and you're a big fan of them, so that's mm. where I've typically had them. How did you actually have them for the first time? Were you out that way, or I don't even remember to be honest. Like, that's the one thing that sucks with some of this stuff. Like, I don't even remember how it came across, but I, I want up. I think the first one I had from them was just their standard IPA, and it was just wow, this is like eye opening. And then started to see that a lot of breweries uh, have looked to that IPA as inspiration for when they got into it, and that they just have this really nice balance between everything. You get that hop, and, and especially in this one, like you get that hop characteristic. It's got the little dry, bitter quality, but it's definitely not overly east leaning where it's, you know, like an east coast style where it's really malty, but it's definitely not west where it's super bitter and then you get all that dankness. Like it just is a really easy drinking and at six and a half percent, like it's just super easy drinking. It it, it kind of almost comes across like really sessionable. Is it easy drinking? I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> Joe. <laughs> Freaking the heat! No, uh, no, it's 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 nice. It's a super refreshing. Like I said, uh, definitely easy drinking. Um, and Joe, uh, it's it, it's kind of it's kind of like one of those things where you kind of get a little bit uh, bummed because it's not a brewery. It's hard to you know you can't get it. So you yeah. want to be exposed to more, but you can't. So it's like, uh, no, they, like I want to get this all the time and. Yeah, they're definitely getting a lot more recognition uh, as things grow. I mean, they're, they're getting, I think they're in 13 states now, I believe. Don't It's somewhere around that. It's in the teens, the amount of states they're in. And they all are connected states. Like, they're not, like, all of a sudden, like, oh, we're up in Maine. Or, or they, they're all kind it's, of right there. They're, like, spreading concentric uh, yeah. circling out. Yeah, they're just, they they're, but they're all connected to one another. And, like, he was very adamant about, like, we want to be a large regional brewery because they want to still feel like they have some control over all these things. And, like, you know, those deliveries... It, it just feels, you know, having those states touching one another, it just kind of feels a little bit more familiar for them as, as that's the way he made it feel. And like they're, they're really, you know, they're not, um, they're not going crazy with their beers. They're not doing one of these like, you know, super over the top aggressive IPAs. They, they get into barrel aging and they have sours and all this stuff, but everything still falls in those categories of being really easy drinking. And I think because of that, it kind of gets to be a brewery that's overlooked by some because it's just really good. Beer and people, you know, when they get into trading and going these places, they, they want to be beat to death with whatever the flavors are. It's always these over the top beers that people are trying to get. And it's like, this is a really phenomenal brewery. And if you're lucky enough to be in this region to get these, you should be having this all the time. Like, that's, I, I don't know how else to say it. It's like the best thing. Like, you could have these all the time. You should be drinking this all the time. <laughs> like, this is, a, this is a brewery that you should always have something from in your fridge. Yeah, it's one of those, it's like you were saying, like, People want people going roller coaster rides and like to be excited and like impact, you know what I mean? But there's also like people don't ap- appreciate the rounded, kind of smooth sailing kind of thing. Just yeah. go, let's go for easy enjoy ride, it, baby, yeah. and just enjoy <laughs> it, man. Just I don't, I don't want something yeah. that's going to beat me over the head with whatever yeah. flavor, you know. Sometimes oh, I want something yeah. that's just 
Yeah. Just, just a balance, you know. Easy drinking. Just easy drinking. <laughs> yeah, some, sometimes you want it's a mosh pit, sometimes you, want, <laughs> sometimes you want a lullaby. But. <laughs> All right, so right now we're going to take a break, and we come back, we're going to get into some more hoppy beers here on WILK with the Beer Geeks. Imagine your life five years from now. Are you on the path you want to be on? It's time to take control of your future by getting a world-class education from one of the nation's top universities. Arizona State University is now offering over 100 top-tier degree programs, 100% online. It's the exact same degree our on-campus students receive, but you can learn from anywhere in the country on your own schedule. For information, call 1-800-400-0890. Learn from ASU's world-renowned faculty and use ASU's global recognition to improve your visibility, professional network, and gain real-world experience you can start using today. The Wall Street Journal ranked ASU fifth in the nation for producing the best qualified graduates. Now discover how ASU Online can stand out on your resume and help separate you from the competition. We are ready to help you learn to thrive in your life, in your career, and beyond. To learn more about ASU Online degrees, call 1-800-400-0890. That's 1-800-400-0890. This is a life-changing message for anyone with sleep apnea who is on the go and tired of dragging around a big, bulky home CPAP device. MiniCPAP.com now offers a portable device that's as small as a soda can and weighs less than a pound. For even more freedom, you can add a battery that's as tiny as a deck of cards. It's called the Transcend Mini CPAP. And right now, you can try it risk-free for 10 days by calling 1-800-600-1334. Transcend is the world's first portable mini CPAP device. It gives you the freedom to sleep in total comfort anywhere you are. Our smallest and most advanced portable design ever. Transcend is so small and so light, you can fit it in your briefcase or purse to use anywhere you go. It's FAA compliant, too, so you can even sleep comfortably while flying. Enjoy the freedom to sleep comfortably anywhere. Call MiniCPAP.com now for your 10-day at-home trial. 1-800-600-1334. That's 1-800-600-1334. Hi, it's Sue Henry. I've been telling you for almost a year now how much I love my pillow, And now they have a great offer for WILK listeners. Check this out. It's their four-pack special. Mix and match any two premium pillows, queen or king size, and get two free go-anywhere pillows. Use the promo code WILK. It's time for you to think about yourself and your sleep needs. MyPillow is the official pillow of the National Sleep Foundation. It has patented interlocking fill that adjusts to your sleeping needs. It's washable. It's dry. It has a 10-year warranty guaranteed not to go flat, a 60-day money-back guarantee, and it's made in the United States. So if you've been holding off, now's the time to do it. Here's the number, 800-544-7893 with the promo code WILK. Tell them you want the four-pack special, or you can visit them on the internet at MyPillow.com. 800-544-7893, promo code WILK. And make sure you tell them you want the four-pack special. Sweet dreams with MyPillow. Looking for a little extra spring in your step? Maybe it's time to put in new Stand carpet from Giant Floor. During National Stand Month, Giant Floor has the lowest prices of the season on Stand carpet. From gorgeous textures to enduring loop pile carpets. At Giant Floor, buying new Stand carpet is easier than ever before. With <laughs> so many choices, picking just one may be hard to do. Celebrate the savings during National Stand Month at Giant Floor. Or check us out at GiantFloor.com.
going to alienate a lot of listeners. I don't get the Beatles. Oh, <laughs> I just don't get them. Well, that's all for us this week. Some of their songs. There's because. a couple songs that are really awesome, but I don't. Uh, not that I don't like them. I I, I didn't get the uh, the fever. The hype was the hype was too much. Yeah. <laughs> While the producer's screaming in my ear, that's going to cut my mic off. <laughs> Thanks, oh. Kathy. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're getting into our next beer, and uh, this is from Deschutes Brewery. Uh, they are out in the Oregon region. Uh, really, they, a lot of their beers, another one, like they've very focused on just kind of balanced beers. They they have like their bigger beers. I don't know if they have a, a name of the series. I don't think they really do, but there's bigger ones like the Abyss. People go crazy for the Descendant, not, things like that. Not the Stoic baby. Oh, the oh. Stoic. Yeah, that's and the Jubel. Oh, I I do love yeah, yeah Jubilale. Yeah. Oh, or is it Jubel is the big one. Jubilale is the little one. Jubilale is yeah. like yeah, the little that's one. Then there's Jubel. Yeah, Jubel was in, so, that was probably that's up like one of the best beers I've ever had. Yeah, that's and like, it's just good. an absolutely incredible. And I don't think that that one's not done yearly. That's every four years or two years. So really? like, yeah, it rotates. Yeah, I, I remember the first time I had it, I was bummed because I'm like, oh man, because <laughs> you're not gonna be able to get. It. I think it's it's two or four years. Yeah, I didn't know. That. I mean, I picked it up last time I picked it up. It was just rando. Yeah, at, like Wegmans and State College. Yeah, yeah. it's it's a really great beer. Uh, but what we have in our glass now, this is their Armory XPA, another one that kind of falls into the pale ale category. This is their experimental pale ale. I, I think they play around with the hops a lot with this one, but this has uh, Nugget, Northern Brewer, Citra, Cascade, and Centennial, uh, 5.9%. So as far as ABV range and everything, th- this Compared to the last one, feels a little bit more like a pale ale. Uh, it's it's definitely well as all we all took a sip and smelled it. Definitely more West Coast leaning. Oh yeah, in yeah, a lot totally. of ways. Uh, but I mean, I think a lot of that too is like putting nugget into a pale ale. Like nuggets, usually known for being a very aggressive hop that you want to throw into an IPA or things of that nature. Because that's just a, it's a bigger, bolder hop. So it's interesting too because that's not it's West Coast leaning, but not in the uh, overly dank kind of way just very bitter on the back end yeah it's like kind of like a i don't know what you want to say moderate conservative um it's it's <laughs> it's it's weird because it's a donald trump of- <laughs> no 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 this isn't gonna make beer great again um, this is like a. it's funny because just looking at the bottle actually says on the side here it says profile gives you profile notes and it says floral and tropical notes perfectly balanced and it's so weird because i think when you know we're so used to what we all drink um, and you get kind of like numb to certain flavor I wouldn't say and this is not a negative thing I wouldn't say it's perfectly balanced I definitely say it would lean west coast with a little bit of kind of other kind of hot profiles yeah. going on but if I, I would imagine if all you're out in the west coast and all you are or are drinking is the uh, west coast IPAs then this comes off more balanced and a lot more yeah. fruity. I could see that. You know? It definitely has, to me, the West Coast dry oh, yeah. finish. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely comes through a lot more aggressive, too, than the last one we had that was considered a pale ale. And that's the thing. It's an interesting area, like the whole pale ale IPA thing. Like, when does that when is that threshold crossed? Other than when you call it whatever you want. Mm-hmm. But, like, when is that threshold really crossed to us? Does that really matter in the beer? Like, if, I, if someone told me, like, a really aggressive IPA, like, oh, this is our pale ale. Like, would that detract 
from that for me. Or, 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 you know, vice versa. If someone told me that it's a pale ale and it comes across like a really aggressive IPA or something along those lines, like does those do those things attract? And like that's what's interesting is like naming a beer, you can name it whatever the heck you yeah. want style wise. Does not matter. It's more on what you're expecting out of the beer than anything. Yeah, to actually get down and like tell people, or how do I put this, to kind of really proclaim certain flavors and balance and stuff like that to me sometimes it's gonna be a little bit weird because yeah. it's like very it's very subjective beer subjective so tell somebody this is it's akin to saying this is a good beer have it and be like well I don't, I don't, <laughs> yeah might not be a good beer for me yeah. you know what I mean and good beer how for do you. I know that um <laughs> and it's and it's always I, I always find it odd to like get tasting notes on beer when when if they're spot on I, I find that to be really cool but when they're off, I don't. I don't go. Oh man, these people suck. That's not what I'm yeah, saying. What I'm just they going, got. I'm like, this is what they got, and I'm like, start to think about the environment they're in and what they eat and what they drink regularly. It just has to play such a big part in how their flavor. Well, and also, it, it depends. You know, we were talking earlier about like men and women and things. It depends if a man or a woman are, are doing those because uh, I know they've done studies with with like aroma and things like that. And women are much more sensitive to aromas than men are. So if something's a little bit more aggressive. It, it'll come across the woman, like just her senses as being that. So she might describe it in that way, but being much more aggressive. That's, like whenever I would uh, do a beer uh, with my girlfriend, she would think that she was wrong if she didn't get everything that I did. Like trying to yeah. get it into her head. No, that's just what you pick up. Like if you pick up something that I don't, that's because you're way more sensitive to it. Yeah. Like, um, what's the the brewery beer, the Black Tuesday variant with hazelnuts? Which what one's that? Like Grey Monday or something like that? Oh, I don't, I don't remember. remember. Yeah, I don't remember. And the name. It, it, it was the whatever one it was. I'm pretty sure it's Grey Monday, but it said it has it had hazelnuts. I did not pick up a hint of hazelnuts in that beer. She did. And she's like, mm-hmm. well, I don't know if I'm like wrong. And I'm like, no, you're ro- you're not wrong. Yeah. I just didn't get it. Yeah, it's completely subjective, and it also is going to be dependent. On if you ever if you never had a hazelnut, mm-hmm. you have absolutely no idea you what you're no looking idea what for. It tastes like. Yeah, yeah, you have no idea. So many like giving someone a beer with some of these flavors added into it, like that's great. But if they never tasted it or never really, maybe they only had it once when they were seven or something like that, they they're they're not going to be able to pick it apart. So they might, and that's why like you know going to these rating sites and stuff like you can't, you have no clue. Like there's no baseline of like all right, everybody has the same palate or same ever. They, they might not. They might be like. I don't get any of this in there. Well, like, well, yeah, you might, but you have no idea that that's what that flavor is. Yeah. Yeah. And that that's the tough thing with, with, with doing these beer things and, like, tasting it and trying it, that it is subjective because if you never had that, you have absolutely no idea what you're looking for. It's so, you know, you know, remember back in the day when, like, people, like, would started tampering with, like, pill bottles and stuff like that, so they started putting seals on everything? Oh, yeah. So yeah. I hate that a lot, obviously, <laughs> for a couple of reasons, but the biggest one was when I got into beer and there was all these flavors and all these smells and stuff like that, I used to go to the spice aisle and just huff different spices. <laughs> just to, when I was grocery shopping, just to be like, oh, man, I don't know I don't know what that smell is. What is that smell? And then you could just crack it open and huff on. Now everything's sealed, so now it sucks. So whoever started tampering with Tylenol like in the 80s and then made that happen, I don't like you. <laughs> you ruined cinnamon for me for the rest of my life. <laughs> yeah, but it's also it's also a thing where, like, um, what was I going to say? Like, I, I do you, is there anything that you always have a hard time picking up? Like, to me, vanilla is super hard for me. I don't know why. I have yeah, a really that, hard that, time with that. It, it, that's one, unless it's fairly aggressive. Yeah. But then it can be kind of off-putting. It, it, it's there. There's subtle. 
I, don't know, I think sometimes with with barrel aging, when they're saying like uh, oak, like that's another one that's like it's sometimes it it really depends on the balance of the beer, and that's what's tough with it is like to to me, I might be like I'm not really getting any of it, and you might be like, are you nuts? Like this is all yeah. I'm tasting is this, yeah. and that's happened too. Like I'm sure we've all had beers where oh, it's yeah. like, oh, I'm getting some of this, and someone say I have no idea what you're talking about, or the complete opposite of like you're, you're getting nothing, and the other person is just getting all this. Like and, it's, and if you're sensitive too to flavor, that's the other thing. With uh, in in regards to like a barrel aged beer, I never get coconut. You know, people oh, really? say that like You're oh, crazy. coconut comes out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but All right, we, we said no one's wrong. Joe's wrong. I am. I'm one hundred percent wrong. It's fine. Um, yeah, I never get coconut out of a barrel. Uh, and in that same thing, coconut to me in a beer comes off as like like a Nutella, almost like a hazelnutty kind of chocolate. Yeah, that's the other thing. Like, and especially now, we didn't even get into this. If someone has synesthesia which is where your senses are all kind of mixed up. You might be tasting coconut and see the color blue. That's a whole other thing that could be going on. Uh, is that what that means? Yes, yeah, synesthesia. Yeah, that, that's I always a, thought it was like uh, using big words on the radio. So yeah, <laughs> that's what I thought that was for. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> I am paid by the uh, synesthesia uh, board. Uh, every time I, I mention it, I'm paid by dollars. There you so. go. <laughs> <laughs> For the next 28 minutes, 27 minutes, you're going to see synesthesia, synesthesia. No, I remember, you know why I remember that? And I'll tell you that the, the reason I remember that so much is there was a special on it on some show. The superhero one? No. Where they talked about people tasting colors. Oh, no, 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 no. no. This, was like a, this was like one of those like Dateline, 20, okay. one of those like news programs. And the they were interviewing, I don't know if it was, I think it was a, it was a girl in high school and she had it. And they said, they were saying things and she would, she would get tastes in her mouth when there were certain words were said. And I remember she's like, well, what about names? She was, yeah, some names I have just awful connections with. And the one they said, Derek. And she goes, makes this disgusted face <laughs> and just goes, earwax. All I taste is earwax. <laughs> so, How do you know what earwax tastes I don't like? know, but that's, that's what, <laughs> so that's why I remember that so vividly because I taste like earwax. <laughs> so I guess the whole thing is the general rule of thumb is really when it comes to like flavors and tasting and all that kind of stuff, there is really, it, there is tech, I mean, there is wrong technically. Like if someone's like, yeah, I'm, I'm just making shit up or poop up, sorry. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's the first time I ever did that's that. It's all good. Anyway, I don't even think it totally came out. Anyway, um, but there is only one wrong, and that's yeah. orange marmalade. <laughs> if you say you get orange that's, marmalade. And that is Matt's favorite one to, to get. Then you're, then you're lying. Matt, all, Matt gets that flavor in yeah. every beer. <laughs> that's like all that comes through. You know what? <laughs> I get that in your wax, actually. <laughs> no, but there's, it's really not, like, unless you're having like an IPA and you're like, oh, it's just chocolate or something like that. And it's not even wrong. Like, if that legitimately is what you're tasting, you know, that's what you're tasting. There, there's nothing you could really be said about that. That's just how things are. But there are kind of baselines, and that's really what, when we're saying, like, beer styles, that's why they're named that way. And, like, yeah, you have breweries that kind of screw with those styles and call it this and it tastes something different. But that's what it's there for is to give you an understanding, okay, it's an IPA. I'm expecting to have some hop flavor come through. Whatever, you know, citrus, floral, whatever it is, you're expecting that to come through. Same thing like, all right, it's a porter, it's a stout, I'm expecting roasted malts. Something along those lines. But other than that, like you're not going to be, a, if a brewery put out an IPA and tasted like a stout, there's no one going to come in and arrest them. There's not like a baseline of like, that's there's wrong. There's no beer police that are coming. Yeah, but what it is, is like you're going you're gonna to tick off a lot of people because they're going to buy an IPA and pour and it's black. You're going to get a lot of really bad complaints sent back to your brewery. Yeah, I mean, 
I totally lost my train of thought. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's all good. Yeah. But, um, I mean, when it comes to, like, actual, like, and this is the separation, like, a lot of people out there, but, like, what about BJCP? It's a totally different ballgame. That's, like, yeah. more like trying to uh, categorize beer into specific things as opposed to what you get from a beer. It's, like... BJCP in general is geared way more toward and should be looked at way more toward home brewers than yeah. commercial beer. And, and really, though, those are guidelines for making the beer. Mm-hmm. Like, that's really what that is, is more of like, this is what, if you're going to call it this, this is what you should expect out of it in a judging stand. That's why BJCP, the J, stands for judge. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what that's in there for. That's for judging. So there's a baseline, because you can't have no baseline and have something being judged when it could be all over the place. Well, then how would and you ever know? And that goes to, like... Your if you get an IPA yeah. as a BJCP judge, if you get an IPA and it tastes like a stout, and it is a stout, someone yeah. messed up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? And that, that's someone that's, messed up getting beers to you. You're expecting an IPA, and now you get a stout. And and that's what that's there for. It's not so much there for the consumer. It's it's really up to them to you know have an understanding of what these are when they're getting them. I kind of really just want to go to a BJCP competition and dress as Judge Dredd. <laughs> Seriously. Wait, Sylvester Stallone or the new one? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we'll get into, we have another beer. This is from Lagunitas. This is their Lucky 13. Now, this is how it's described is an ultra mega mondo red ale. So this is, you know, speaking of breweries that love to screw with, you know, calling different beers, whatever style, they have never really cared for any of that and have always kind of bucked the trend for whatever a certain style of beer is supposed to be. So this is, to them, it is, is a beefed up red ale. So what the difference is, is you're going to get more malt coming through. And it's going to be sweeter, kind of crystal malt flavor characteristic as opposed to what we've been having with, you know, an IPA or a pale ale, which is it's not going to come through as sweet as it does with the red ale. And this is an 8.8%, which is another thing Lognius loves to do is put out big beefy beers that have a, a big malt pair profile to them. Yeah, uh, Lagunitas and, uh, and Stone really like to talk on their bottles. Like, yeah. they're just, oh, yeah. they, they they're just so fun. Like, books like, on yeah. all. Yeah, oh, yeah. About books they're, 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 they're the best bottles to have if you are just sitting home and you're just like, you know what? Screw it. I'm just going to have a couple beers and just whatever happens. They're the best ones to kind of sit and just be like, whoa. Because it's just, <laughs> it's meandering words that really seem to go nowhere and get real trippy. So, especially with Lagunitas bottles, because instead of like yeah. another label like Stone does, yeah, they, it's it like around, around the edges the trim, yeah. of the label. So you have to like turn the bottle around <laughs> to so, really and, get everything. And there's, there's no, uh, I would say, there's no coincidence that these are both California-based breweries, one of the first to pass the marijuana law in the state and <laughs> the country, I mean. So uh, there, there's a lot of that, though. It's a lot of rambling incoherencies in some ways. And they're, you know, and not all the time, but then also just stories about the beer. And it, it just kind of depends on whatever they felt like doing. Yeah, Lagunese tends to be a bit more like kind of like spacey out there rambling uh, in a good way. Yeah, we had with Tony the, McGee with, on here, too. So you, yeah. <laughs> Stone is very like, I'm going to tell you some things real Here's right some stuff you know about I mean? this yeah, beer. Yeah, and it's very like, like when I would review the beers, I typically read everything on the label. I just get to sell beers and like, there's stuff in the back. You can go find it and read it yeah. if you want I, to. I, I it's want on their to, website. I want to start a brewery that has some kind of D&D theme and have this never-ending story that you, if you get the bottles as they're produced in order, the labels, and it tells the story of a troll or something going through and like follow each bottle the whole way through. And if you read it out of order, it still makes a, it's a different story. It's almost like choose your own adventure. Like, depending on what order you're reading it in, I don't know if it's even possible to do. I just want to open a brewery and do a limited, re- it gets really popular, and just do limited releases that don't exist just to freak people out to where they, like, 
try to find this beer that doesn't actually exist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, so what we're going to do now is we're going to take a break, and we come back, we have some more beers to finish off and a lot more to talk about here in WLK at the Beer Geeks. Built for business. Waiting. No one enjoys it. With Comcast Business, you can do less of it. Because Comcast Business Internet is up to five times faster than DSL from the phone company, which means less waiting for things like security backups and file downloads. Plus, it's a better value when you select the fastest plan. So do what nearly a 1,000 businesses do every day and choose Comcast Business. Unless you'd prefer to wait. Switch to Comcast Business Internet. Then add one voice line and TV for just $34.90 a month for two years. And ask about their low price guarantee. Call 800-501-6000 or visit ComcastBusiness.com. That's 800-501-6000. Comcast Business. Built for business. Off rents 531.16. Restrictions apply. Equipment taxes and fees, including broadcast TV fee extra. Compares Comcast 100 megabits per second and 20 megabits per second DSL downloads. Few things matter more than convenience, especially for seniors. Looking for easier living with all the convenience of downtown? Here are two opportunities for you. Designed for seniors and the disabled, you'll be happy to call home one of these living spaces close to shopping, restaurants, social activity, and places of worship. Washington Square Apartments is a high-rise in the heart of Wilkesbury at 163 South Washington Street. It offers reduced rent and cable TV costs with all utilities included. The Courtright Cottages on Courtright Street offers two-bedroom, two-bath apartments for rent to seniors 62 and over. This is Wilkes-Barre's newest neighborhood. All units are carpeted and offer free parking in a one-car garage. Find out more about this equal opportunity housing today. Downtown Living at 823-0127. 823-0127. If stopping on a dime is your life's goal, then you're pretty sure that proper caliper tension will get you there. Then CarQuest Auto Parts is for you. If a date with your baby means putting on clean coveralls and heading out to the garage, then CarQuest is for you. CarQuest is for those who really know and care about their car. And now save up to $40 after mail-in rebate when you purchase CarQuest Platinum Brake Pads and two rotors. CarQuest is serious auto parts. See participating stores for details. Hi, I'm your local expert from Ehrlich. We offer you a world of pest protection. You have enough to worry about. Leave the ants to us. Visit jcerlich.com to Join the world of pest protection today. Ehrlich, your local pest control experts. When cooking on the stovetop, size matters. Heat is lost and energy is wasted if burner size is larger than pot size. Use the right pots and pans and you'll save energy and money. Get more energy-saving tips at wilknewsradio.com and click one thing. There we go. This is very apropos. Another big word. I'm uh, also being sponsored by the apropos. That's another five dollars. <laughs> that's, that's a nickel word. That's Ooh. a nickel. 
Oh, <laughs> uh, well, they're being overpaid. So uh, we have another beer in our glass. This is from Smutty Nose Brewing Company. I remember we had their head brewer on. Oh, that was one of our first shows we moved over to the station, actually. Uh, this is their Rye IPA. This is one that they they did as they have like a bigger beer series that is released in 22-ounce bottles. That's what this one was initially released as, and it was very popular for them to the point where they wanted putting it in 12-ounce bottles and have made it, I believe this is a year-round one now for them. Um, it's at least, I know it's fairly large seasonal if, it, if it, that's what it is, but it's it's fairly available now. Yeah, the um, the Big Beer series from Smutty Nose is, is one of my favorite mm-hmm. series from a lot of breweries. They're, um, and they did switch a lot of their Big Beer series to year-round. Um, the really br- old Brown Dog Ale, yep. um, Baltic Porter, I believe. Yep. Um, even their Gravitation might be in the, in smaller bottles now. But, um, I'm not sure. And I know th- this came with, with their uh, Baltic Porter, Rye IPA and Baltic Porter, uh, were the two that they put out at the same time they announced that they're going to put them in. I think they're in four out. They're four packs, so they're not yeah, six yeah, packs. Yeah, yeah. We were actually packs. we were able to get um, the Imperial Stout in uh, Canada when I was up there. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's weird because we get some of the big beer series, but not all of it. Yeah, it's um it's odd, but I mean they're and they're all really great. I mean it's rye IPA, so typically you don't do that, but usually the big beer series are really good ageable beers. Yeah, um, their Baltic Porter with a couple years on it is so good. It's not that was all the like all the Imperial Stouts I think had like a, at least a couple months on them. Yeah, and which is I, I kind of like when breweries actually switch from like a big format to the four pack for two reasons. One, it's nice to have the four pack format. Yeah, and two, you you, you can see, really experiment. Yeah, well then you see them. So if you're out and you see a big beer series now and it's a big bottle, you know it's old. Yeah, so that's for true, me yeah. who loves aged beer, I'm like, oh, that's yeah. old. What's over there? <laughs> you know what I mean? They don't do this anymore. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh, get all red yeah. in the face. <laughs> like when I when I stumbled upon the Baltic Porter a couple of years ago, like I like I was like I picked this up and I drank one. I was this is really good. And I was like, I'll get one more. And then I think I drank all twelve from the place. <laughs> I was just kept buying them. I was like, these never end. And then they were gone. Never and I was sad. And so well, we had th- this is the Rye IPA. Uh, it's six point eight percent. And this this one's nice because you know really what the the addition of the rye is a very interesting thing and it's something we we talked to I forget what brew we were getting into the whole rye thing but it's it's a difficult malt to really work with because it just jams up everything which I know I'm sure Joe can speak to yeah yeah it, it's it's very difficult to work with so if you're gonna make a beer that has as a base you got to be dedicated to doing that one because mm. I've used like I've used rye flakes before and that hasn't gone too too badly <laughs> uh but i think i only used like a pound in one of my homebrew batches yeah. but but it, it's when you when you work with rye what that'll do uh for those who aren't familiar with with what this is is it gives this extra layer of spiciness so it's something you kind of have to keep in mind as you're constructing this beer and putting the recipe together you want to have hops that aren't going to contrast that which is something you could easily do and wind up having just a mess of a beer with these flavors that are just clashing so you really have to keep in mind like okay this is not just because if you're throwing it into you know a standard ipa has what's called pale malt which is kind of i don't say bland but it's kind of like the open, you know, page for yeah, a lot of bland. Yeah, it, 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 it's the tofu of malts. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. It really becomes whatever you want to I mean, throw around. It's all around. sugar water at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah. And it, it becomes more, it, it doesn't add, that's now where a ton of flavors coming through from the beer. So that's why you see a lot of IPAs with that that are very hop forward because they don't have to worry about contending with that malt flavor as much, whereas you're throwing rye in, that's a very dominant, dominant flavor. And if you've ever had rye bread, you, you know what that flavor really comes through as. And like that's what this is. And you have to keep that in mind as you're deciding to put some hops in with that. You want something that's not going to just clash and then just ruin the beer on you. 
rye, rye based beers, rye barreled beers, whatever. I'm all in. I'm a certified 100% card carrying junkie for rye bread. Like, uh, I, it's nothing better than toasted rye bread for me. And this, I haven't had this in so long, and I didn't realize how the rye is huge in this beer. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. I, took, I didn't take a sip until you're halfway through um, talking right then, and I'm like, just kind of took me back about how, how big mm-hmm. it is. Yeah, it really comes through. Now, that's what you see a lot of. It, it's a tough flavor. It's definitely one of those styles that is divisive in a way because if you, because there's a lot of people that don't like rye, like whether it's rye bread or whatever, but like that that spicy flavor, if it's really aggressive coming through and you're, you know, not a fan of that, don't, don't, don't go for this one. <laughs> Going back to our, our previous uh, conversation about like, picking up certain flavors. Rye, for me, if it's in a beer with a bunch of other malts in particular, I have a really hard time picking oh, out yeah. rye. Yeah. Oh, I definitely do. This th- this one, I, I'm fairly certain that rye is playing a really, <laughs> really high role. Getting a so little I, bit. Can, uh, I, I, can really, I can really get it. Yeah, no, that, it, it definitely is because, and you know, I think a lot of that is, is because it adds a Spiciness, which is not something you're necessarily going to equate to malts, and it's d- a different kind. It's almost a different spiciness yeah. than you would get from hops, because there are hops that can give yeah. you a spicy flavor. Yeah, it's almost like um, it's it's like we've we've talked previously about like food and beer pairing. It's almost like that in a beer itself, where you're taking the rye itself, and you need to pair it with the correct hops to have that kind of proper yeah. balance. If you're using specific kind of hops with this, it might be like, oh, no, 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 oh, yeah, this yeah. is not going to work. So it's almost like you're getting a food beer pairing in a just a beer itself with that rye being in there. Oh, definitely. That, that, that would have been interesting to see what, you know, playing around with that, especially now, because the hop category in the hop world is so interesting now because... It is it is exploded from all the craft beer stuff. I mean, we we've talked about how you know much the craft beer scene has grown to where we have more breweries now than we did before Prohibition, which is like a, a huge thing. People never thought we would get to again. And now, on top of that, though, we have to look at the other things that we talked about. You know, canning beers and like what that's done for people making those machines and all that type of stuff. But the other thing is like what it's doing for farmers, whether it's you know malt or growing hops, which is like completely open up because for a long time hop farmers basically made their living supplying for macro breweries, yeah. which they're not going for aggressive hops whatsoever. So that that was a whole different thing now because now we're getting into well, they all did these- want like they wanted higher alpha acid hops because you could use less of them. Yeah. But they, they weren't yeah. going for... But they're, they're not going... They weren't going for flavor. Yeah. They're, they were they're, just they going wanted, they for, like, bang for the buck. They wanted a specific number hit. And yeah. that was all they were going for. Now we're getting into this, like, you know, chef mentality of, like, I want these flavors to come through. And now to the point where you're seeing all these crossbreeding of hops going on to try to get different flavors coming on. And then you're getting into all around the world. Now you're getting into unique New Zealand hops, Australian hops, everything going on in Europe. And then you have this different flavor coming from... Uh, hops out of the United Kingdom and all that stuff and what they were getting. And what there they are even getting. hops that we don't know. Like, yeah. there, there are hops in China that, like, don't they make it outside yet. of China. Yeah, there's there's so much. It's a growing, unique area. <laughs> Let's put it this way. Hops, uh, they, the plan they're on, the track they're on speed-wise, a lot of times brewers get hops and it's like, you've got 86753Z4. That's yeah. the hop you have right now. Like, <laughs> they don't have time to they don't have a yeah. name. They're like, yeah. we don't even have, we don't have time to name this. Just, yeah, they're this trying is, to. This is what it is. Take it and do Here's stuff Here's the serial like number of this hop. <laughs> use it. Yeah. yeah, and that's what, it's a unique thing too because there's a whole, 
working as a business behind that because you know if you, if you noticed uh, when Simcoe or Citra or some of these hops that became you know household names for people that are into craft beer for a long time they were only in specific beers and specific breweries had them because there was these contracts done and only specific farmers or growers could grow these hops because well, only one farm like yeah only it was one only one place, place could that grow does it. Simcoe. And if you had, I think Citra's Sim- different. But. Yeah, Citra's di- Citra was like that, but Citra then opened up. Simcoe is still just there's only one source for that. Yeah, because you get because when they're they're basically creating these hops, like that's what's going on now is they're creating. That's why they're you're seeing hops sometimes. If you get a beer, it'll just be like oh seven nine three like these numbers going off because they didn't name it yet because they're still going through that process of copywriting or whatever and getting these rights to it. So that that's a whole thing, and then it's basically one place can get it for a certain period of time and it'll eventually open up and most of the time that's what will end up happening but that's what it is it's a unique area because you're getting into creating these things from nothing like creating these plants and crossbreeding and getting flavors and then you own that basically yeah it actually absolutely boggles my mind too as far as just the consumption of hops in order to make beer like if you think about it like the one thing I've always thought about in my life like just when I'm sitting there and not really paying attention just like whatever just daydreaming how in the world are there still crab legs <laughs> like there we people yeah. eat them all day every day and it's always every place you go to if it's a decent restaurant it's like ah I had crab legs for 4 bucks do you know what i mean yeah. and it, and then you, we're consuming them at a breakneck pace how do they still exist like how are they just not gone off the earth and we've eaten them all it's almost getting like that way in my brain with hops like people are making beer and they're making it so so quickly so fast and yeah. different kinds and this and that and like how can we sustain the need for hops mm-hmm. you know what i mean like is that an actual like legit concern or is it just like you know well hey. it's, it's interesting because i mean years ago like uh there was a hop crisis that went through and, and like they were this huge hop shortage where yeah. they couldn't get all these hops that they were needed if something like that happened now i can't even imagine the shakeup that would go on because there's a lot what, more breweries going i now. think what might happen is more places will start growing hops like this region like uh pennsylvania upper upstate yeah. new york ontario resource yeah it was a hop growing region mm-hmm. at one point then a like blight came and wiped out the crops and there was a, never was it a fungus or a bacteria that uh i don't know i think it was a fungus I, yeah I think it, was, it, was, it was a big fungus that went through i know upstate new york it was something like that and i wound up just killing off it all killed off everything and then yeah. it just never happened again it all moved out to the pacific northwest and stayed there yeah all right, so we're pouring our final beer now. This is a newer, new-ish one, I guess I will say, because they had released it before in certain uh, territories. Uh, but it's from Sam Adams. Now, Sam Adams is... They've been just like doing so many great things. It's awesome to see like how big they are. They still put out all these new beers and try to get in different things. This is their Rebel Raw Double IPA. This is kind of their take on the whole New England hazy IPA thing, which we've talked ad nauseum about here before about everything. But this is a, a ten percenter, so this is a, definitely a big boy. Um, but it's just a very raw. This is not one that you would try if you have never had an IPA before, because this is definitely a little more aggressive than some of the other ones that they have done. They've been very late into the game with the IPA thing. They were putting it off, but as soon as they got into it, they went full bore into all this IPA with everything. Go ahead, Joe. Uh, this is probably, <laughs> of the, the beers that we've had, this is probably my favorite. And I've had, like, two sips of it. <laughs> I've, I shared one of these with you, I think, um, previously. No, I don't think so. No? no. Um, uh, this is... Um, 
There's a lot of uh, pomp and there's a lot of pretension in beer. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So Sam Adams, like we you said at the beginning, takes a brunt of that when it comes to people kind of just pooing on breweries and be like, Sam You're Adams successful. Really, How yeah. could you do that? Yeah. yeah. And, and How could you make good beer? <laughs> they're very consistent. They make a, they make some of my favorite beers. You know, uh, granted, you know, everybody that says, oh, you know, poo on Sam Adams, they go, hey, I love Utopias, but, yeah. uh, you know, I cracked it. <laughs> yeah, old, I'll spend over $100 I, on the bottle. Yeah, yeah. I, cracked, uh, I cracked a triple bock last night. Uh, their double bock is one of my favorite beers. A lot of their beers are really really well done. This is delicious. Yeah. And a lot of people will probably walk past this. Now, the problem with that was we couldn't get it. They released this, I think, I want to say maybe October, November of last year. Yeah, it was a few. Yeah, I don't remember the exact. And it's select Philly market, I think, and then it's New York. Yeah, they only went, there. when they first released it, what they did was they went to specific cities, like yeah. Chicago, New York, Philly, things like that along those lines. They they wanted only to hit certain cities because the, the reasoning behind that, we didn't even get into this, is this the way that they're doing this beer, because they want it to be super fresh, is they're putting it at a 35-day shelf life. So they've put pressure on distributors that once this hits shelves, like it, it's a 35-day shelf life from the canning. So they're canning this and they're shipping it right out and they're they're putting the pressure on the distributors. Like once it goes past that, we want you to pull it off the shelf. Yeah, we we don't even it's it's going beyond even what Stone did with their enjoy by the giant stamp on the bottle. They're saying we don't even want it sitting there. We don't even want the risk of it. And they want you to pull it off. Yeah, I'm not sure. And and, and just to speak to this release, this new release, which I I don't think it's hit the shelves yet because I think I got these like what last week. You probably got the same yeah about like last yeah. week. This one's going to be more widely distributed yep. to the point where we should see it actually hit our area. And I think it, I want to say it was $14 for a four-pack of pounder cans. It's somewhere like that, but it's worth it. It's, it's the, definitely I, worth yeah, it. Yeah, I have the release at home. Yeah. I forget it's what it actually said. not too bad. Said. No, for what this, for when for you're comparing f- this to, to what this is, like, you know, contending with, with these New England style, like, you're usually paying a lot more than that, but unless you're going right up there and getting it, which that's a whole other. Well, call. that's the thing. You're going to pay $14 if you go get it, but then you're talking about seven, ten hours your time and then mm. gas and money the whole thing this is up there the only thing i would knock this beer for is the abv i wish it was a little oh, bit yeah. lower the 10 yeah. Yeah. yeah you know what i mean I especially in the, the 16 ounce can like that'll yeah you kind of want yeah. this beer to taste like this at your seven and a half percent maxing yeah. out but i mean hey we're you know first world pro- first oh, yeah. world problems <laughs> <laughs> no it, it's really i mean at 10 percent and have this hot profile coming through and have it done on such a large scale and to be able to push that 35 day shelf life like we want you to have this fresh that's what this should be enjoyed as a super fresh IPA is that's something you can never knock a brewery like they they're, they care about the product and they care about what they're doing and they're putting it out there to have these flavors and like yeah maybe some people might get mad because like well they're so big or small we can't compete whatever but that's that's the name of the game you know I mean that's that's what it is and it's like you're, you're trying to do all these things and it's like if they're doing it they're doing it and if they're doing it well great if they weren't doing it well then they weren't buy it I think with with Sam Adams in particular you're we're seeing all of these like hazy IPAs from like Trillium, Treehouse, all the all these New England breweries. I, I feel like people would go the opposite and be like, oh, they're just jumping on this bandwagon now and like they're they're gonna try to push all these people out of the out of the mm-hmm. like whatever market. Yeah. And and, that, and it's true while people say someone's that, gonna but, say but, that. but at the same time it's also like they're almost super every, local. They're oh, hyper local out of those breweries. Almost that's the other everything thing. Everything is bandwagon jumping. Like yeah. the, no one th- there's one person I thought of a hazy IPA. 
And there's our hook, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so we will be back next week, and next week we have the phenomenal, finally, Rushing Duck Brewery from up in New York. We might even have them in studio. We'll find out next Hopefully. week. Surprise, surprise. Till then, cheers, everybody. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.